everyone, and welcome to Sample Size. The only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Samantha Spears. And I'm your co-host, Cameron Buzar-Jamari. So, Cameron, did you hear about the new Health and Human Services ruling on gender discrimination in healthcare? I have not. What, what is with this intro? It's so, like, it's like, what is the secret? This is a big secret. <laughs> Cameron, did you hear about this? Oh, what's up, Sam? <laughs> Yes, it is a secret news story that I will tell you about right now. Well, I actually don't know about this, so do tell me. All right. So this happened on Friday, June 12th. The Trump administration finalized a rule that would remove non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people when it comes to health care and health insurance. And the rule focuses on non-discrimination protections that were laid out in Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act, which established that it is illegal to discriminate on the basis of race color, national origin, sex, age, or disability in certain health programs and activities. I feel like this goes without saying, but this is not a win, right? <laughs> is not a win. So I mentioned the Affordable Care Act, more colloquially called Obamacare. You mm -hmm. remember that? Yeah, I know Obamacare. In the Affordable Care Act, it, there is a specific line mentioning no sex discrimination. Good well, thing to have. Yeah. yeah, it's a good thing to have. And then when that was inserted into the Affordable Care Act, the Health and Human Services, or HHS, I'm going to now refer to from now on, they issued a separate ruling in 2016 clarifying that the protections regarding sex includes those based on gender identity, which was defined as male, female, neither, or a combination of male and female. Weirdly progressive. Yes. However, the Trump administration just recently issued a new HHS rule, and this new one, which is set to go into effect by mid-August, defines sex discrimination as only applying when someone faces discrimination for being female or male and does not protect people from discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. That's less progressive. Okay. Very much less progressive. Even according to their news release, it says, quote, HHS will enforce Section 1557 by returning to the government's interpretation of sex discrimination according to the plain meaning of the word sex as male or female and as determined by biology. Okay, this is what I love. This is the dry, like, I can't believe my eyes just glazed over about something so important that, like, Republicans love to use to get stuff done in Congress. Okay. <laughs> All of this makes immediate sense based on that entire sentence. <laughs> and what I first want to talk about now is their argument that they're going back to the biological definition of sex. And that annoys me because I have to constantly explain the difference between the term sex and gender. All right. So, Cameron, do you want to try and take a stab at it? I more want to know why you always have to explain the difference between sex and gender. It comes up more often than you would think. All right. Here's Cameron's stab at it. Sex is based on the genitalia you're born with, I guess, your and also your hormonal configuration. And then gender is based on your own identity of which you identify with personally in your brain, in like how you see yourself. Yeah, that's actually a very good summary. I got so, one. Yes. <laughs> in general, sex refers to biological differences between males and females. And you mentioned such as genitalia and genetic differences. Gender, it's more difficult to define, but it refers to like the role of male or female in a society. So their gender role and 
and, as you mentioned, an individual's concept of themselves or their gender identity. So someone can be of the female sex but see themselves as being more masculine. No, this is a different thing. Actually, yes. So that's true. And so sometimes gender is misconstrued a bit. I shouldn't say misconstrued. Sometimes gender is defined more rigidly than it really should be because you can also define it as just in terms of masculinity and femininity and being on a huge spectrum and not really going into the issues of, you know, someone being trans or not. Okay. But what annoys me about when usually Republicans using the argument about going back to the biological definition of sex is because the biological definition of sex, like it's very specific and it's not usually someone that people think about when they say the word sex. And it's not usually what someone can, you know, identify easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a couple different terms in biology for different types of sex. So first is chromosomal sex. That's when sex is determined by your genetic makeup. Having, so like X and Ys. Yes. Having X and X for female, X and Y for male. Okay. But then as I know you've mentioned several times when talking about this not recording, <laughs> is that you also have instances there where someone could have an XXY makeup, you know, or way have to, an... Way to peel back the curtain on her Oh, I know. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> first episode, you <laughs> knocked down the scenery. <laughs> someone could have more than just an XX or an XY, and that's mm-hmm. where intersex comes in. Yeah. So again, a thing that is you cannot just like pinpoint from looking at someone what their chromosomal sex is. You got to actually do a genetic test for it. Which I don't want to do every time I go to the bathroom. No. <laughs> that's a good idea. And then there's endocrinological sex. So is this one with hormones? Yes. That's the hormone one. Oh, man. This is a problem at the Olympics, right? Because a lot of people are saying that certain female athletes shouldn't compete because they have more of a hormonal composition of maybe a male, even though they're definitely XX, like they're genetically a female. Yeah. There was a controversial case. I think I mentioned there's, was she a runner? There's a runner. Yeah. Yeah. It's across the Olympics because if you are a person who has the natural affinity to do well at a sport, why wouldn't you want to do that? And then having other people come in and try to create qualifiers can become very problematic because, Mm -hmm. and man, I know I've watched like five Vox videos and three NPR articles on this. But they're always just different stories about how these community, the like medical communities and the oversight boards have found new and new ways to basically degrade people to make sure they're a woman. It's very upsetting because these people just want to compete. Like Serena Williams basically has to walk off the field and do a drug test to make sure that she's not doping. Now they're doing this just all the time, regardless of doping, just to be like, is this even a woman? It's very difficult. Yeah. And going back to the different sex terms, it's like it's all kind of convoluted and it's very difficult to determine sex in a way because there's different definitions of sex and then there's even gonadal sex that's having like what kind of like gonads you have pretty Mm -hmm. much like do you have ovarian or testicular tissue on your body and so all of these things are very difficult to determine and not really something you can just like visually determine or quickly determine Mm -hmm. which is why it aggravates me when going back to like saying we're going to go back to the biological definition of sex in terms of sex discrimination yeah well clearly it's very difficult for actual sex discrimination to occur in a way because it's just difficult to determine sex. I mean, DNA tests are getting cheaper all the time. This is sarcasm. (laughs) This is sarcasm. Do not at me. But you're no. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on this. Yeah. Yes. So right off the bat, that's that's just a personal pet peeve. (laughs) 
So okay. let's go back to this HHS ruling. Like, what what does this ruling actually mean? What is the impact from okay. it? Well, under this new rule, a trans person could now be denied care or insurance coverage if the hospital, clinic, or insurer accepts federal funding. Uh, okay. What? <laughs> for example, trans people could be denied coverage for procedures related to gender reassignment or even be refused to be seen for a checkup at a doctor's office if the doctor chooses. All right. This this is terrible. I hate this. Yes. And this new rule also make changes beyond the original 2016 ruling. So it could also be used to deny those seeking an abortion if performing the procedure violates the provider's moral or religious belief. So I'm going to read you a quote from the HHS fact sheet that was recently released. Section 1557 shall be enforced in a manner consistent with other statutes. Since laws enacted by Congress always govern regulations promulgated by an agency, these other statutes Statutes include the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, federal conscious protection laws, including provisions in the ACA, as well as the Church, Coat Snow, Weldon, Hyde, and Helms Amendments, and the First Amendment to the Constitution. So basically, if a person is seeking care and the care that they are seeking violates the provider's religious beliefs, then that provider could decide not to provide care to that person based on those beliefs. See, this doesn't make sense to me because don't all doctors take the Hippocratic Oath? It just says... You are supposed to do good and protect people and save lives where you can. So who is objecting to the Hippocratic Oath on their own personal religious or moral grounds? I'm, I'm so confused by how these, the like, way we're taught to think about medicine and the way they're teaching us to actually do medicine don't seem to be on the same level. Yeah, and it is a little tricky because most of these rules and things, they're not actually applying in life-endangering circumstances Okay. normally. Like, it's more... More of most of the time people bring these up in more like elective things or what people see as elective things or like in the terms of abortion. No, I was about to say abortion is pretty not elective. I'm not a huge <laughs> expert on abortion because I'm a guy and I've been privileged in that way. But I have a strong feeling that abortion is not elective. It is not elective. But the controversy in abortion is whether or not the fetus is actually alive and being killed or the fetus is not actually alive and not actually being killed. It's it's like a weird, somehow murky gray moral ground. Okay. But I also want to explain that so these new rules going to effect, it doesn't mean that like trans people are going to be automatically denied health care or that abortions are now straight up illegal. But it does mean that there could be potentially extra barriers to receiving health care and paying for health care. In addition to all of the ones I already deal with. Yes. In, a, in addition to all of the barriers that already exist involving those issues. So extra on top of that. So you're probably wondering why did the administration do this? Like why did they set this rule I mean, in there's place? like eight whys that they do on a daily basis that probably explains this, but let's get to this why. <laughs> All right. Well, it's no secret that the Trump administration is against LGBTQ plus rights, especially trans rights. And the director of the Office for Civil Rights, which is the office that implemented this rule, is Roger Severino. I think I'm saying Roger his name. Severino. Roger Severino, who is a devout Catholic who used to work for the Heritage Foundation, a conservative think tank. And here are some other facts about him. So while at the Heritage Foundation, he was the director of the DeVos Center for Religion and Civil Society, where he wrote several pieces opposing trans rights, abortion rights, and gay marriage. He's repeatedly denounced this rule, the Section 157 that he just rewrote. 
and he referred to the Obama administration's guidance to allow trans students to use the bathroom that matched their gender identity as a, quote, radical social experiment. And he is a staunch opponent of access to contraception and other sexual and reproductive health services, opposing the ACA's contraceptive access provision and calling for defunding Planned Parenthood. Okay, so I hate this guy. Yes, so he has been trying to push this for a while. And the reason that Severino and the HHS gave for these changes is that the new rule will, quote, restore the rule of law by revising certain provisions that go beyond the plain meaning of the law as enacted by Congress. So as I mentioned at the very top of this episode, basically, since when the ACA was established, it did not spell out what sex discrimination meant. They're now using that to go and say, oh, sex discrimination when in the ACA means male or female. I don't. And it doesn't include gender. It's so obvious that the entire point of the ACA is to give everyone health care. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. Just give them health care because they need it. We all need it right now. Yeah. And also, it's also just kind of silly to go, okay, this ruling, which lays out a bunch of different things that it considers discrimination. But we're going to say, oh, it didn't spell out gender discrimination. So clearly, you know, we should have a rule that allows gender discrimination. It's just kind of like not the best backwards thinking. So there's one other piece that went along with this ruling that I want to talk about because it's a little strange. So another part of this ruling is that it no longer requires certain notices to be sent to patients by healthcare institutions, which according to their analysis will save a lot of money. Some quotes from that is that the final rule will also relieve the American people of approximately $2.9 billion in unnecessary regulatory burdens over five years from eliminating the mandate for regulated entities to send patients and customers excessive notice and taglines inserts in 15 or more foreign languages in almost every healthcare mailing cost that gets passed down to patients and consumers. And they say that these expensive notice have not been shown to be proven useful or meaningful. All right. I didn't understand most of that. And yet that is the ball game to me because I understood it the least of everything we've talked about right now. That's the ball game. If OK, let me let's let's run it back. So they say we're going to save like billions of dollars mm-hmm. because people will not have to receive mailers, not because they like have a better way of getting health care, but because they will not be getting health care. Is that what I just heard? Basically, there was a ruling saying that you had to send out these mailers and notices and in all these different languages, basically spelling out the non-discrimination that would occur in healthcare. So spelling out the rules of you cannot be discriminated against sex. You can't be discriminated against race. You can't be discriminated. It would have all that. So now that's being ruled back and you aren't required to use those taglines. So according to their analysis, you're not creating that paperwork and stuff and you're going to be saving billions of dollars in a five-year span. Okay, this is this is like a double whammy because on the one hand, everything about how they're saving money is like the classic bait and switch of politics being like, we're going to save a bunch of money and do a bunch of favors for a bunch of people by not doing anything for them and cutting all of their sort of resources. Like, it's so painful because on paper, everything is always going to look awesome because someone made sure it looked awesome. Mm -hmm. But this is like, oh my God, this is like the point of our show. It's like the sample size has now been reduced 
so that the actual people represented in medical care is not <laughs> including a gigantic number of people because they have been completely misclassified by this new ruling. Was that too much of a stretch? A little. I liked that. That was that was a fun <laughs> trying to get the show title in there. But I will do this every episode if I can. <laughs> yeah, but they're getting away of what they consider an ineffective regulatory burdens. But it's people. Yes, it is frustrating because and I want to point out I have not read the complete report. It is a very long report and I haven't read their analysis. But it does, from reading what I have, it really seems like they're equating the, oh, we could save a bunch of money if we don't have these regulations, these regulations that are there to protect people. So it's like we're going to be saving all these money by not protecting people or potentially not protecting people, which is terrible. Like, why why would that be a thing you would put in your cost analysis? And also, also, I hate to point out that a lot of times when people do like cost saving analysis, they think in a very short term window. Again, I haven't read over their analysis, but they may be thinking of, oh, I'm looking at just the hospital cost and what these pamphlets cost and what these notices cost, but not factoring in how the cost of someone not getting health care and the cost of people maybe avoiding the doctor could then be raising costs and raising societal costs. Yeah, it's I mean, this just goes back to the problem with American healthcare. We have a reactive healthcare system that cares more about curing symptoms than actual causes. So if we can make the numbers reflect that everyone's doing better, that's better than actually taking the time to be preventative and making sure that people just don't get sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's frustrating. And also a really weird thing about this ruling is that this also contradicts just what the rest of the federal government says on the term sex. So there are several federal courts that have ruled that protections on the basis of sex includes gender identity. And, you know, you have the federal government's Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which also has sex discrimination as including gender gender discrimination. So that means all federal employees, they say that gender discrimination can be a thing and you can, you know, go to someone if you're a federal employee and say, oh, I'm being discriminated against against my gender specifically. And also, this ruling was released on a Friday. The following Monday, June 15th, the Supreme Court ruled that employment discrimination on the basis of sex includes discrimination against sexual orientation and gender identity. So they're wrong by their own metrics now. They're wrong by many metrics now, yes. This is just, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this information? So the good thing is this doesn't go into effect until mid-August, so there is some time. Like, already there has been a lawsuit against the new rule by a coalition of LGBTQ clinics and organizations, so hopefully that'll go through. Okay. First of all, I'm mostly impressed that one agency can make such a sweeping change, carte blanche. Like, it just feels like this is just happening, whereas you've seen plenty of other places where something like this feels like it should take more time or have to go through Congress. But this is just one agency making a change that now affects the health care of countless Americans. Yeah. And they did actually, I think it was last year when it happened, they posted on the federal registry saying that we're proposing to make this change. And there were a lot of comments on the federal registry saying, hey, we do not agree with this change. But they still went ahead with this change anyways. It's almost like they don't. 
don't care. And I also want to point out that Congress actually has the ability to review this and stop it. Like there's the Congressional Review Act and under it they could review this law and then say, no, this HHS ruling will not go into effect. But there are some tricky things with that because it has to be done within 60 days of them being in session and also has to pass both the House and the Senate. And considering the current political climate right now, that just may not be a feasible option. So in the meantime, we'll be keeping an eye out for if Congress tries to reverse this rule or if the lawsuit by the coalition of LGBTQ clinics and organizations is successful. And if you want to read more about this, there are links to all of my sources in the show notes, including a link to the full HHS ruling, which, as I mentioned before, it's a very long PDF and I admittedly did not finish it. So, Cameron, would you like to add anything or plug anything? My name is Cameron. I am shocked. I am <laughs> upset. And if you would like to at me, I am at Wildcard Cameron, wherever you find obnoxious people who are upset about terrible things our government's doing. But also, yeah, I feel with all this reading, we should probably make a spinoff podcast already. That's just like us creating the audiobook equivalent for all these incredibly dry documents. Because isn't that the entire point? Is that they take something terrible and bury it in something so boring I fall asleep before I get to the end? Yes, it really is. That's what happens in these government documents. All right. Well, while I ponder this, why don't you tell people where they can find us? All right. Well, you can find us on social media at Sample Size Show. And please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And I've been your host, Cameron Boozer Jamari, reminding you, first of all, you can find me everywhere at Wildcard Cameron. But more importantly, if you like this episode, if you like having this kind of perspective on your news, please consider liking, subscribing wherever you found this show, sharing it with a friend. I'm sure you have people who would love to know more about these kinds of topics. And if you could share it with them, I'm sure they'd appreciate learning about it. And we'd appreciate getting to hear from you about what you think about this episode. This has been Sample Size. See you next week.